Thank you for joining IAB There. And now your host, Brad Barrons. Over to you, Brad. Hi, everybody. I'm Brad Barron's Editor-in-Chief here at the IAB. Thank you so much for joining us on IAB There, our daily live stream where we connect the digital marketing community to itself, to each other, uh, because we are all still in our homes, still trying to figure out how to do all of this, and we want to reach out every day uh, and touch base with all of you. It is Wednesday, August 26th. Our topic today is moving from media planning to audience planning, and our guest my old friend, Brian Monahan. Brian is the global client president and head of U.S. Ventures for the Dentsu Aegis Network. He has been uh, an OG digital marketer from the beginning, uh, which uh, is hard to, to tell from looking at him because he looks like he's you know, a teenager uh, still, which consternates me. Um, we're going to have the ability for you to post questions live on Twitter. Go to Twitter using the hashtag IABthere, all caps, one word, hashtag IABthere. And uh, if, there are, uh, if there's time, we will get to your questions. Let's bring Brian Monahan from Dentsu Aegis Network onto the stream. Hey, Brian, welcome to IABthere. Hey, Brad, good to be here. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for being here. So we're going to dig in on uh, what audience planning is, how it's different than media planning, but let's talk about your history, you have been in this business since there was a business. Your first job in digital advertising, uh, near as I can tell from your LinkedIn uh, and from our conversations, was in 1996, which is when I was still hand building websites for my students at UC Berkeley. That was before there were standard T's and C. I mean, that that's like what was, and, and I understand that um, you're like still a super hip media strategist and, and you don't want to talk about the old days, but, but it, gosh, like it, it was such a Flintstonian exercise back then. Like, tell us a little bit about like, what were those earlier days were like? And that's all in the service of getting to like what it's like today, but like, what, what's the crazy story that you can share? Yeah, I mean those those early days were were uh, a lot of fun. And by the way, Brad, someday we're going to flip this show around, and we're going to interview you. We're going to put you in the hot seat, and you could tell us about your presentation about how Shakespeare was the first vertically integrated media company, and uh, and we'll we'll get into that history at some point. But uh, yeah, back in the you know back in the back in the day, uh, back in 1996, I was um, part of a team that uh, started an agency called Left Field, and um, uh, our first client was Amazon.com, um, and uh, and yeah, you know, it was it was uh, it was really exciting times. We were figuring it out as we went along. We were working out of a garage in Sunset, San Francisco. And, um, basically, we were as we sort of thought about you know uh, making ads and running them on media properties. We were kind of emulating the print model. You know, we 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 had the same sort of workflow. We had the same sort of uh, sort of approach to production, the same way we evaluated media properties, the same way we put strategies together, and and a lot of those really early days kind of um, you know emulated a lot of, of that same approach. But it was it was definitely uh, the wild west. So you uh, that was the early days, and and let's and by the way, thank you for having been the only person in the industry in my, my decades here to ever ask to see uh, anything about my old academic work. Uh, I, I still appreciate that. Um, 
so it was the it was like print it was the wild west and and then you went from left field and that got acquired you wound up when i met you and you were in had a long career at different parts of ipg um including mm-hmm. running the, uh, the media lab and being a managing partner at magna but that was just the beginning you then went on you were at you've, i mean your career has really just you've pivoted to all of the different possible things you were the CMO of Walmart.com. You were at Pinterest. You and our friend John Patel started Nuco together. So you've really, like, you you went on this uh, deep time in the agency, and then a long sojourn throughout every other aspect of the industry. So you are a one-man focus group uh, with the sort of the variety of your experience. But then you just came back to the agency world. What is it? A couple of years ago. Um, so yeah, two. Yeah. What was, what was that like? go back yeah, it's been it's been wild I, I feel like um it's what i was like six seven years out of the agency business and now i kind of feel like like some days like rip van winkle you know i kind of like went to sleep and woke up and uh, and the world changed around me um and um yeah you know i, I would say that you know the, the 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 changes in the media landscape the changes in culture have just really um begat a very different way that that brands are going to market and um it's been wild to have not been sort of like you know like in the in the pot as it's boiling and just sort of you know i left agency world came back and just kind of looked around like like wow you you realize like what you guys do every day is very different than like what we used to do um and it's, it's quite staggering so but let's put on different hats you know so there had to have been a time when you were uh running marketing at walmart.com that you thought, wow, I wish I had known this when I was agency side, uh, you know? And, and so like, what, what, what from your sort of perspectives, like specifically at, when you were running marketing over at walmart.com, but also, you know, subsequently, as you've come back into the agency world, it's not just how the agency world is different. It's how you're seeing it differently based on your other, your other experiences. So, like, what do you wish that you had known at IPG that you learned when you were at Walmart? How are you bringing that into Dentsu Agents? I mean, this is, I, I guess there's a lot that I wish I had known then. I think the big change, Brad, has just been the, the infrastructure. I mean, I, I think, um, you know, when I look at what we were doing when I was at Walmart.com, I feel like we were like knuckle-dragging Neanderthal growth marketers, you know? We just had a hammer and it was like, ROAS and we were just pounding it, you know, we were just optimizing an optimization machine for ROAS. And, um, and we were beginning to kind of stitch together the notion of customer journey, right? And we're beginning to sort of think about touch points and lifetime value and how you would sort of optimize those sequences. But we were like point solutions. And, you know, I just, I feel like what's, what's really evolved that's so exciting is it feels like sort of like, you know, the craft of brand building and the craft of growth marketing kind of had a baby and it's like customer journey marketing. And like, we have the ability to start to stitch together signal about like, you know, who somebody is and like what state and like stop treating people like the brand has amnesia, you know? And, and, and so I, I think that um, I, what's exciting to me is seeing these worlds come together. And I think, you know, early on we were talking about building brands. And then we were talking about, you know, customer acquisition. And then we got more sophisticated with our optimization tools. And I think what's exciting now is to start to see like 
you know, the importance of brand uh, preference, brand attributes being threaded through with customer journey where you're looking at sort of more measurable things like engagement rate, customer acquisition, ROI, LTV, and like starting to see it's like fused together in, in like a much more sophisticated plan. So now I think you might be anticipating me, but let, let's dig in, which is, it sounds like we're talking about what would be a valid topic for today, which is this move from really thinking only about media and where you're placing media to thinking about audience experience. So is that what you're talking about? That this, this is the change from media planning to audience planning? Yeah, for the, for the media piece of it, I mean, and, and when you think about how a brand goes to market, there's a, there's a lot of, you know, a lot of trains you got to get on the right tracks. For the media planning piece of it, it absolutely has changed, Brad. I mean, like the, the early days, and I grew up as a media planner. So the early days, we understood consumers through their media choices, right? So we would study what media they consumed. We would look at kind of, you know, where we could find them in the most efficient way and we would go to market that way um, and we would kind of define sort of the customer and these sort of broad sort of groups right and and now the the, the craft when you think about where you're going to place your dollars right to reach people you start by really defining like who are these people and like down to the like the respondent level with with attributes that like media consumption is one little small piece of it and you look at all these sort of attributes of like who these people are. And then you start thinking about not just where can I reach them, but when, you know, like what is the right signal? Um, and then you start thinking about sequence and you start thinking about messaging. And like, so when I, when I, when I talk about audience planning, sort of, you know, eating media planning, it's just, it's really that workflow, like that workflow of starting with like, who exactly do you need? How do you define them? How do you think about signal? How do you think about attributes? And then like it sort of ultimately kind of manifests itself and like, okay, where do I go try to find those people? Um, but that's where it winds up. That's not like the front of the parade. So then after you do that, um, you know, you're talking about the customer journey and, and so much of the time, uh, the customer journey <clears throat> in the minds of uh, advertising people ends with a purchase. Um, but that's not always uh, the best way of thinking about it. And so I guess my question is, What's the post-purchase or post-first purchase uh, take uh, from the audience planning perspective versus media planning? Like, how are how are those two perspectives distinct? Yeah, totally. And I feel like we are, um, you know, as an industry, certainly as the agency service industry, we're just starting to sort of line that up. And I think when we do this conversation a few years from now, we're going to be looking back like knuckle dragging Neanderthals and that part of things. But I mean. It, it's, I think with the um, sort of lifecycle marketing has traditionally applied to email marketing, right? And like brands have gotten pretty good. Certainly people have good customer, like direct customer relationship and good signal. have gotten really good with triggered emails, right? You, you, you know, next purchase, next product to buy, time to re-up. Uh, you left, you abandoned us in your shopping cart. Like, like we've gotten really good with sort of like that sort of triggered sort of post-transaction type of, uh, messaging um, and now like connecting that back into like what sort of ad you would show somebody distributed in a way where you're not just like following somebody around trying to get them to buy the same pair of shoes they already bought um, that that feels like kind of what's sort of the really exciting type of um, 
sort of customer journey. I mean, and you can think about it in like B2B too. And, and you think about like, you know, these are long purchase cycles and they're going to trade shows or virtual trade shows, interacting with salespeople. Like there's, there's lots of steps on that journey that should impact like what you say. And I think the, the really exciting thing is like wiring up all this sort of data sources around a common identity and then having systems that can read those and like present relevant information at each touch point. So this certainly sounds like a much more holistically integrated way of approaching it, but I can't imagine that it's easy. So how, you know, what are the headwinds that you're finding either from the client side or when you're, and then I'll, I'll, I'll point out that you uh, were at Pinterest for a while. So you have robust in, uh, publisher platform experience. So how is it, what are the coming both from the, the media side and also from the client side, like what headwinds are you running into as you're trying to pivot into this more sophisticated approach? Yeah, I mean, the, the big one, just as it pertains to media planning, audience planning, are the walls of the gardens. I mean, the, the, the platforms have, I mean, just incredible information about their users and, and real uh, intelligence about how to speak and when to speak on their platforms to, um, to influence those people. Um, which is awesome. But then, you know, you know, my job uh, sort of representing a brand is I've got to talk to a lot of people. I got to pick up points of market share. I got to like, so I've got to, I've got to skim across multiple walled gardens, multiple identity pools and figure out how to rationalize my spend across it. So, you know, that, that I would say, you know, as a system is, is, is a big challenge. I mean, obviously like right now um, there's a lot of just sort of external headwinds with what we're going through. Um, sort of on a macro level. Well, we're certainly going to talk. That's our, our next topic is is sort of like, holy smokes, you know, uh, what's happening out there? Uh, you know, I mean, you're you're in Mill Valley in the Bay Area, so uh, we're lucky to have you today. That you're uh, you know haven't been evacuated, so you know, thank you uh, for doing this. Uh, but but again, I just want to like like from a talent perspective, you know, for mm -hmm. the publishers who are watching this for the younger media planners who are watching this, like what's diff, like this is it, you're saying that it's a different craft, but like what different kinds of talent do you need when you're hiring? What different kinds of talent do you need across the aisle? If you're uh, talking with publishers or with a programmatic technology, like what's the, how, how are there skill sets that, that either you're looking to hire or looking to develop, you know, uh, in this, uh, this sort of brave new world of audience planning? Yeah, I think it requires like T-shaped talent, right? So people who know, like, like if I'm the the person responsible for uh, Pinterest, like I've got to really understand that user experience, the signal, how their you know ad center is set up, like how it all works. And at the same time, I have to understand for this particular brand and this customer, like where she is in that process and how like my um, interaction with her on Pinterest, as an example fits into this sort of larger journey. And it's, I mean, these things get really technical. So, so to have people who have that sort of T-shaped ability, I think is, is really rare. And, and where I, I just find, um, I personally get lost. Like when, when you're talking to like real passionate people about sort of the intricacies of how their little piece of the marketing ecosystem, media ecosystem works, you get, you get lost in the detail and, and sort of anchoring to sort of that, trying to speak to at the end of it 
um, is really helpful. So, you know, it's, uh, I guess it's looking for those kind of, you know, kind of engineers who took some liberal arts classes on the side. Uh, there was a, a famous thinker named Isaiah Berlin, and he talked about hedgehogs and foxes, and that, you know, a hedgehog only knows one thing, but knows it really, really well, and foxes know a lot of things. And, and what, what it sounds like you're saying uh, is that the role of the agency as intermediary is, is to be a quite wily fox, and to be able to deal with the hedgehogs on the brand side and the hedgehogs on the publisher side, um, and to be a bridge between uh, between them, which I and, and which I think is really a fascinating. Um, I mean, it's just a different skill set than than either throw, brand side or and throw in the throw in the Martech too. I mean, throw in you know Adobe, Google, Salesforce, like all the sort of you know underlying Martech that you have to get configured properly. Um, throw in trying to stay up with. GDPR and sort of like, yeah, so it's, it's, um, it requires some new talent. It, I mean, it starts fundamentally, you have to have a facility with sort of, you know, quant skills, like you have to, you have to do that, but then have the perspective to kind of anchor it back to a human, a brand, and what we're really in the business of, you know, building brand relationships. I will just uh, seize the moment for a shameless PSA, which is, you know, we here at the IB are all in on CCPA and GDPR. And if you visit mm -hmm. IB.com, uh, you can find uh, an extraordinary amount of, of useful and actionable information there. Um, so let's pivot into the, the, the sort of perpetual topic, um, which is, holy smokes, like, uh, gosh, the world has changed. Uh, we've got, uh, we have the, the, the three or four crises uh, we have, an, you know, we have a, a, the worst public health care crisis in a century. We have a country which is more divided than it's been since the Civil War. We have an economic crisis uh, that's coming. And then not a crisis, uh, but something to celebrate. We have, uh, you know, the, the resurgence of interest in civil rights and the Black Lives Matter movement. All of those things are really hard to navigate just as a human being. But when you're talking about how you're uh, trying to do audience planning, well, gosh, uh, audience behavior is shifting wildly and quickly. Um, you know, we, in our research, and we have a new, uh, a new spend research study coming out, we hope next week, you know, we're seeing uh, CTV as a, big, a bright spot continually for over the past several months, just as people are leaning in on streaming, as advertisers are leaning in on it, as people are spending more time at home. So, so audience planning, uh, when the audience is in radical flux, tell me what that's like. Yeah, I mean, um, the audiences are in radical flux. I mean, it, it's, um, I was looking at some data the other day, we did this sort of like sort of attitudinal tracker of different demographic groups. And, you know, we had sort of thought that um, the older boomers would feel more isolated because they're um, sort of taking more precautions. and it's actually Gen Z that has these really sort of alarming sort of stress levels and sort of mental health signals. So like there, there's, there's, there's a lot that's um, happening with the uh, consumer base that we chase and like the way you sort of talk about a brand as having meaning and adding some utility or solution to their life. Like you have to be mindful of that. Um, I think, you know, from just sort of our craft about like how we um, get work into the world, um, I think, you know, a lot of a lot of what's uh, these externalities are forcing us to really look in the mirror around, um, you know, privacy and 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 tracking 
and, and surveillance. Um, I think we're having to take uh, a real hard look at um, uh, business practices and this notion of brand suitability. Like, I think it's, it's really exciting how much we've quickly moved from brand safety to brand suitability um, and sort of thinking about, um, you know, the company you keep and like putting brands within the environments of uh, uh, places that sort of represent their core values of, of the brand. Um, so I, I think there's a, there's a lot of sort of like moving parts um, just that are sort of um, related to these externalities. And then, you know, the economic crisis just feels like it's just accelerating a lot of like trends that were already sort of present about sort of like finding more efficiencies and how to grow a business. And so a lot of what you were talking about just then is extraordinarily insightful. And do you want to get back to the, the behavior part, which is, you know, and you, 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 you were digging in on that with the boomers and the Gen Zs. I've got a couple of Gen Z kids in my house. And so this is always a topic that's very, uh, very important to me. Uh, and also uh, mm -hmm. we've seen uh, anytime we program anything with, with the Gen Z and the title, people flock to it. But, but the, the boomer thing and the mental health thing, like, you, I want to hear more about that. Um, you know, Gen Zs, is it simply that they're adolescents and adolescents are more peer driven and therefore the isolation is something that they're going to, I mean, like, why do you think, uh, why do you think that, that the mental health issues are being felt harder by Gen Zs? And then as a, as an advertiser, how does that change what you do? Yeah, 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 totally. And it's, um, I mean, it's a really, it's a really, Create, I think it's it's gonna it's gonna create a really creative uh, opportunity, right? We talk a lot about like we don't just distribute ads; we create experiences. Well, okay, great. Make an experience that is actually going to speak to the needs of your consumer. And like you mentioned, Gen Z and being at a very social age and feeling isolated, and they don't get that outlet at school anymore. Um, they're definitely picking up on the stress that they're getting from their parents and what they're seeing in the news. So it's like, so, so how do you have a, a, a brand experience that, that kind of speaks to that? Um, you know, and I think it sort of it gives rise to different types of techniques. I think, you know, we were actually earlier today, we were sort of um, talking about some, some influencer marketing and like how that role of influencers plays a different type of role right now relative to some of just the distributed paid messaging. And, and so I, I think that it's going to require some real creative thinking about, about how each brand engages with their desired target. Huh. Fascinating. Um, let's talk about behaviors that you think will snap back versus behaviors that you think are permanently changed in, in, in regard to this. So for example, um, I was quite struck that you know, movie theaters are opening back up and, you know, the, so I've been seeing getting, I'm a superhero guy. So I've been getting nonstop email solicitations about the new mutants movie that's coming out. And I mean, I, uh, speaking only personally, I'm not going to go to a movie theater. I mean, not, you know, not for a while. And so, you know, and I think that, uh, you know, we've trained people over the course of the pandemic to get, extraordinary uh, first run content you know uh, on their phones or on their living room so you know whether or not movie theaters come back that's a big toss up 
and I'm curious what you're seeing, like, what do you think are the elastic behaviors that will snap back and what do you think is permanently changed? And again, how does that affect how you're thinking about um, representing your clients? Yeah, I mean, um, I think, you know, in our prep session, Brad, you, were, you I think, had a really great sort of uh, uh, rubric to sort of judge these things, which is like sort of the arc of history, right? And like, you know, movie theaters in the grand scheme of things have not been around that long, but like live sporting events have, right? So uh, I do think that, you know, uh, live shared sporting events, those are going to come back in some form or fashion, um, you know, uh, cities, you know, like are, are people going to like uh, flee the cities? Like, um, uh, I don't, uh, I don't think that's going to be a lasting trend, you know, um, so, so I think there's sort of like arc of history that you can look at. Um, you know, there definitely are things that um, are sort of, you know, consumer behaviors that are uh, uh, seemingly not going to snap back. I mean, the, you know, the, the, the movement to, you know, ad free on demand streaming video services. Don't think that one's coming back. Um, you know, increasing adoption of, of gameplay and video games as sort of a live entertainment um, sort of modality. Don't think that one's snapping back, right? So I, I, I do think that there are some things that are gonna come back, some that, are, some that have just really been accelerated. I usually try to focus on behavior rather than containers for behavior. And so, you know, mm -hmm. the behavior is that people wanna be entertained and that, that behavior is liquid and can be poured, you know, out of a movie theater into a, a you know, a, a television at home, the, what we've seen is, golly, uh, you know, the moment that people had an opportunity to go to a bar or a pool uh, when, when restrictions were relaxed, uh, you know, we saw, saw those alarming sometimes photos of, uh, you, know, you know, hundreds and hundreds of people. So, I mean, I think we're seeing a, a deep-seated need at a, at a DNA level just to be with other people. Um, you know, the question is, of course, like, how do you then take the attention that's going in those environments and translate it into what's useful for your clients. So, so I don't know if just wanted to, it's, that's, there's not a question. It's more of an opportunity because I don't think it was a terribly coherent yeah, idea. Totally. Sounds like you should go back and update your dissertation about how William Shakespeare would have like leveraged liquid behavior to sort of pour consumption of his content into different, different uh, form factors. Uh, that's a, uh, I'm, I'm in fact working on that, but that's before another time. Um, so let's talk about you. You live in Mill Valley. Uh, you're you know, across the river, across the, the bay from San Francisco. Uh, like what, you know, sort of the last question I always like to ask is like, what are you, what are you doing to stay optimistic and connected? Like how, how, how are you doing that for yourself? How are you doing that for your team? Uh, I mean, life on a gigantic never ending Zoom call is hard. Uh, so what are you uh, with, what are you doing to stay, to stay uh, productive and optimistic? Yeah, I mean, um, uh, just on the work front, I guess I would say it's been interesting. So my, my journey at Dentsu since I've uh, come here is, is basically running a, a sort of holding company solution for the Intel Corporation. So we have something like seven different agencies that are part of our solution. So, so we've never been co-located and it's, it's been interesting. I feel like we had a running head start about um, sort of team building in sort of this distributed era before it was enforced upon us. And like I, there, a couple things seem to help us, you know? So, um, 
you know, you don't have sort of that serendipitous sort of conversation or status or thing or run by people's desks. So you got to create sort of like team statuses where you go around the horn and you just keep everybody connected. Um, what um, we find helpful is like, you know, we got to create sort of like formal sort of deadlines because it's hard to kind of just show work in progress, right? So, um, and then even on sort of the team building personal side, um, what I've uh, observed is it's hard to kind of maintain those sort of social connections in sort of the pre-meeting chit chat. Like you got to have one-on-ones. And so it it makes the, the calendar challenging, but I just think it's the new world we're living in. And like, you got to like find time to like sort of, sort of organize your work week around these like critical sort of anchors of how you build sort of team cohesiveness. Uh, uh, that, uh, that sounds challenging. I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't sound easy. Yeah, I mean, I think it's, you just, you just get in the rhythm, you know, it's like, um, I think once it becomes just the way of working and people get it and they understand what forms are for, and I think if you kind of clearly sort of explain like what the form is for, you you get in the hang of it. But it's you know it's 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 a big change, um, and and you know I you know we definitely worry about in our industry like how do we keep developing talent? We we're talking about talent earlier. How do you make sure people feel they've got career opportunities? That's developing new skills. Like how do you convey those when we're doing this remotely on video screens? These these are all things that are top of mind for us about how we make sure those things sort of are part of their career experience as well as just like how we sort of project manage the work of the day. Well, that's, that's a great answer to uh, what I think is ultimately a badly phrased question. So Brian Monahan, it is always a delight to talk with you. Thank you so much for joining us on the IB there. Stay safe in California and we'll have you back soon. All right, my pleasure. Thanks for having me, Brad. All right, so, uh, you know, I want to let you know that IB has two uh, exciting new conferences to help everybody get ready for what's going to be, as we just learned from Brian, an unpredictable 2021. Both of these are part of Audience Week. Uh, the first week is we have the REACH Conference, which will be on September 29th and 30th. Uh, we're working to answer the question, where have your audiences gone? And then uh, on Friday, October 2nd, we have Audio Unleashed, which is a one-day event that bookends the podcast upfronts digs in on the latest audio advertising friends. These events are free for our buy-side professionals, brands, and agencies. Please visit uh, ib.com slash events, or uh, you'll see the URL, our, our larger URL on the screen to register today. Uh, on our next IAB there, we are thrilled to welcome Adam Singolda. He is the CEO of Taboola, and we'll be discussing the impact of readership and advertising on new sites. Make sure you join us tomorrow for that. IAB There is a production of the Interactive Advertising Bureau. Our show today was produced by Connor Healy, Joe Ons, John Ward, and Carrie Villanueva. I'm Brad Barron's editor-in-chief here at the IAB. Thank you so much for watching. Come back tomorrow because if it's 2 p.m. Eastern on a weekday, you know it's time to IAB There. Bye-bye, everybody. Thanks for